Good evening, everybody. And uh, thank you, Mike, for giving me this opportunity. Very excited about it. Um, so, some of you uh, may know that we recently got a new dog. Sophie is a little puppy. She's around uh, 18 weeks old, and she is a little fireball. Um, she's also extremely smart and has done pretty well taken to the training that we've been putting her through. Uh, through Kathy's hard work, she learned very quickly how to sit on command, and, and will do so. Um, Abby Kate has already been working really hard with her on lie down, and she's getting that pretty well as well. And she's even learned to ring a bell when she needs to go out. We've got some little jingle bells hanging by the back door, and she'll go and hit them every time she needs to go out, though admittedly, she seems to now think she can use that whenever she wants to make us go out and play with her. Um, so we got to work on that. we got to rail, rail that one back in a little bit. But like any puppy, she's going to want to push some boundaries, right? She's, uh, she's small enough that she can crawl out from under our backyard fence. So we always have to keep an eye on her when we take her out. And obedience, it's a crucial thing because not only does it make, help make our life with her easier, it's going to make her life safer. Our lives have lots of fences that we can crawl under. And uh, just like a little puppy, we can be surprisingly fast and really, really good at crawling under them, even when we know that we shouldn't. But those fences are put there by God to keep us in his plan, which is ultimately good and safe for us. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, no one can say yes to God's ways who has said no to his promises and commandments. Acceptance of the will of God comes in the daily submission under his word. And then another unattributed quote I found says, Our obedience to God's commandments come as a natural outgrowth of our endless love and gratitude for the goodness of God. So we're going to get into Deuteronomy 11 tonight, but before we do that, let's go in prayer before the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all that we can learn from it as you grow us each and every day of our lives. Lord, thank you for commandments, Lord. Thank you for being a God who cares enough about us to require obedience that you know is good for us, that you can bless us through that, Lord. And I pray that as we get into your word tonight, we'll all uh, come to know even more of what you have for us and the promises you have for us as we remain obedient in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Deuteronomy 11, Moses, as we know throughout this book, he's been reviewing with the Israelites what they've gone through, and he reviews the events of them escaping Egypt and reminds the Israelites of the importance of remembering what they went through and sets up why obedience is going to be crucial to them and experience the fullness of God in the time to come. So it starts in 11.1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land, what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as, he pursue, as they pursued you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, 
their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen every great act which the Lord did, or act of the Lord which he did. So here we can see many various ways that the Lord directly intervened. From all the plagues of Egypt when he delivered them, to the rescue through the Red Sea while they were being pursued, and even acts well after they were in the wilderness. And of course, he specifically calls out the sons of Iliab who were in disobedience to him, which is one of the themes we're going through here. It's one of the ones he had to move against. But most interestingly, Moses set up this whole passage with this line. If you remember, he said, "'Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God.'" Moses is speaking to the seniors of the people who've experienced the hand of God directly, reminding them that the importance of remembering the power of God and what they had seen as their children had not witnessed it. They had walked through the desert following fire, following clouds. They had been fed in the desert. They had uh, walked through the Red Sea. They had seen frogs go all across Egypt, but their children had not. And that's a very important thing because it's going to be important for them to pass it on The children are hearing the stories just like we do today, but they'll need to hear it from their parents in ways that will make them remember the truth of it. It can't be be something that's forgotten if serving the Lord is to continue past that generation. And the point of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt was for them to serve and obey God. In Proverbs 3, 3 through 6, it says, Do not let truth and mercy leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. It's the basics of passing down wisdom. And it's important because we've seen that people can see miracles and forget them within years. Now imagine a generation that's not seeing the direct actions the way they did. And all of us, you know, we've all made a ton of mistakes in our lives And we'll sit our kids down to talk about some of them and how to avoid them. And similar similar to what would happen with the Israelites, the kids' eyes will eventually gloss over a little bit. We'll keep talking to them. And then later they'll realize, or we'll realize, that they're in a deep thought about how quickly the conversation can be over. However, we have a duty to continue to impart wisdom and expect obedience and make it our focus to spend time raising obedient children, not only obedient to us, but ultimately obedient to the Lord. Through obedience to their parents, they'll be trained to show obedience to the Lord, but that's where we're ultimately taking them. And we can see why that's so important in the next part of the passage. It's a long one. It says, Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, And you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, 
to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain in your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may, be eat, you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So right here we see God being very clear in commandment to obey the laws that he's going to give them. And in return, he makes promises. He promises what could essentially be seen as a new Eden, an Eden 2.0 in a way, uh, a reset of the world to what it could have been before when he made it to care for Adam and Eve. Because though Adam and Eve did work the land, God ensured that it overflowed with everything they needed while they were there. And that's the same promise that God was making to the children of Israel that in exchange for simple obedience, the rain would come when it was needed. The grass would be there for your livestock. You wouldn't be toiling as hard as you did in Egypt, and I would provide it for you. And all God was asking in return for that was simple obedience. Just do the thing I said, and you're going to get right back to the beginning the way it was meant to be. In Isaiah 1.19, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. We also know how God had prepared the land of Canaan for them, even in the way he shaped the world. Egypt was flat. It was a desert. It was wholly dependent on the Nile for its survival. The flooding each year provided the opportunity to water the fields, but that took tons of work. They had to build irrigation methods and work very hard hours to try to make sure that the, the crops grew when they were able to. The land of Canaan, however, was rolling with hills and valleys, rain that would come in and water it, and it was a place that could provide. And God was directing them there because he had already set it up for them. He had it ready for them. But we all know how far they, and of course we, tend to stay from, from that. The land didn't become the new Eden that was promised because the obedience was ultimately not there, but that, of course, is a bit of foreshadowing for where we are right now. But how hard do we toil to try to make Eden ourselves. We work really hard at it, don't we? We create all sorts of stop gaps. We make irrigation systems. We make cell phones. We make adjustable beds and frozen dinners. 3D printers, streaming services. We do everything we can think of to try to recreate a place of comfort. I know I do it. I've spent time thinking, what can I get my family to make things better for them? Would a bigger van do it? Would a bigger TV do it? No. Ultimately, it was the new Xbox. That is exactly what made the place paradise. No, of course, that doesn't do it. God alone and obedience to him is the only thing that can bring our lives a bit closer to the land of milk and honey, he promised. Our country, our world, seems way too far gone to bring itself back to that promise. But on small scales, we can. In our homes, we can put God and his commandments first. And I think that every one of us here can tell a story of times we have. And while challenges may have still been there, the stress of that time just fell away. Obedience to God brings clarity, which ultimately makes life more purposeful and better in almost every measurable way. Samuel 15.22 says, Behold, 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the rams. Then in back in Deuteronomy it says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Occasionally, we will see people who have verses on their doorposts, but most often around here we see people with lots of vinyl scripture on their walls, painted in picture frames and so forth. Hobby Lobby has a whole inventory line built around this, so... We know people are doing it. But it does go to what the heart of God is saying here. By keeping his word close to us, where you and your children can see it every day, you can write it on your heart. Certainly, sometimes things in our house can become background noise after a while, but still, having them in places where you take note of them every day. Having a verse set where you make your coffee. Having a verse taped to your mirror when you get up in the morning to brush your teeth. You, they'll become part of you. And God knew the value in this for us, and that it would shape and pat, and that we should, we should be shaped by it, and we should pass it on to our children and make it an important part of their life. Um, I'll tell you as an aside, one of moments that made me so proud was um, Tyler was ordering various printed flags for his room of all sorts of strange stuff, um, Moai statues and Fortnite characters and the word fart. I don't know. He was doing all kinds of stuff, but. He did, however, order a flag with a particular scripture of psalm in it. And I asked him why, and he said, I want to see it every morning when I wake up, just to remind myself. And it was a big, gigantic flag, and all it had on it was psalm and then the verse. And I apologize, I can't remember the verse offhand right now. Was it 119? It was 119. And that's all it said in big yellow, Psalm 119. And he has it right by his bed when he wakes up. And I'll tell you, that that really did something to me. that he would want to remember that every morning when waking up. So it, it, it has meaning. So going back to Deuteronomy 11.22 now, it says, For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours, from the wilderness in Lebanon to the river, to the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. Sadly, we know they didn't get the entire territory, even during their conquering time. They relatively quickly lost their way, but it does show us what could be possible if we just stuck to God's word. It was all their waiting, and it was made clear to them. In verse 26, it says, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. We have a choice here, pretty clearly. It's simple. 
to obey or not to obey. He puts it right out there, makes it very clear. Now, this isn't a work for your salvation thing. That comes just through Christ, as it says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But if we are to receive the blessings of God, we still have to choose to follow. In verse 29, it says, Now it shall be, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side of the Jordan toward the setting sun in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the plain opposite Gilgal, beside the terebinth trees of Morah? For you will cross over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you will possess and dwell in it. And you shall be careful to observe the statutes and the judgments which I set before you today. So here's where things get a little interesting with these mountains. So the mountains are on the other side of the Jordan. So if they're going to put this blessing and this curse on them, they've got to go on over there and take it. So this is after they've taken the land and they're moving into the land. Um, the blessings and curses can be fairly straightforward. As we've discussed, the closer we grow to the Lord, the blessings will be there. Turn away and you accept the curses. But God is attempting to make it crystal clear to the Israelites what he's been telling them. Beyond that, when it says, put the blessing on Mount Gerizim, they actually had people go up on that mountain and shout the blessings of the Lord down to the Israelites as they passed by, as an as a attempt to remind them of everything. And likewise, they had a group of people go up on top of Mount Ebal and shout the curses down on them so that they would remember what would happen if they didn't obey as the whole group passed through onto the side of the Jordan. And by this, the people could hear and they could acknowledge the clear message the Lord was sending. It was meant to be a unique experience that would impress upon their minds the importance of staying obedient to God. And it was a big moment because God had done all these miraculous things for the generation before, and this was a huge thing, but it was not a miracle. It was just them getting on the mountain as commanded. They were obeying and they were doing it, which then passed along that message again to another generation. Of course, as we know, the Israelites didn't remember it for very long, but we can. We can choose to. We find ourselves between two mountains even today. We're between Mount Calvary, where Christ died for us, and the Mount of Olives, where he's going to return someday. And we too can walk through the valley between those mountains with obedience and accept the blessings that God has for us. Or we can walk through in disobedience and accept the curses that he's laid out for us. I have an idea of which one most of us would prefer, so we just need to follow and obey. <laughs> 